Welcome to the Organized Investor Pod Class with Jerry Goodman and Megan Hubbard from Tennessee Wealth Management. These pod classes are an inside look at how they work with clients to organize their investments, their retirements, and their affairs. After you've listened to a number of these pod classes, you yourself may decide that you would like to discuss your personal situation with them, and they would welcome that conversation. We suggest you subscribe so you'll receive reminders about the next class. And with the tools and information on our website, theorganizedinvestor.com, you can start getting organized right now. Hi, listeners. I'm Megan Hubbard, along with my dad, Jerry Goodman, and students. We are glad you are able to join us today for pod class number six. This pod class is the third in a series on the topic of organizing your affairs, and we hope you find it helpful. We promise you're going to learn some things about estate planning in Tennessee that you don't know. We actually promise that's going to happen. And and you're about to find out what we're discussing uh, or referring to in a moment. In fact, after listening to this, you may be the estate planning expert at your next cocktail party. (laughs) You're going to be invited to so many parties after this. You'll be just a wealth of information. Well, in the previous two pod classes, which are number four and number five, because remember, I told you this is number six, we discussed how we can help you work with a local estate planning attorney for a flat fee and how that may actually save you about $1,000 versus working with an attorney directly. We explained the two main options you have, one of which is a package of four documents for each person and a couple that includes a will and the cost is about $595. The other option is the same four documents that also includes a revocable living trust with a cost of about $795. Now, how many times did we mention that we don't receive any compensation for helping you on the last two episodes? It seems like hundreds, but I think it actually was more like 22, 23, something. It was a bunch. It was a lot. Exactly. So pod classes four, five, and six. They're devoted to helping you get your affairs organized or organizing your affairs, not your extramarital affairs, but your estate planning affairs. And after focusing on this issue for what we would consider to be decades, it's very common for people to have a preconceived notion that they need or they want revocable living trust. Because in their mind, they're thinking it's going to save or solve, let's say, solve a zillion different problems for them that a will just can't do. And that preconceived notion is simply not true. So where is it coming from? You're actually getting misinformed by three different groups of people. And we're going to categorize those for you as the people that don't know, the people that should know, and the people that do know. Now, the don't know group are your friends and family who think you should get a revocable trust, but don't know why. And you can't really blame them, but somewhere along the way, that they, they've known somebody that has one, and it kind of they thought it helped, so they are trying to help you by sharing that information. That's the don't-know group. The should-know group, these can be financial advisors. They can be maybe writers for a, a website or for a magazine. Maybe even include some attorneys who should know the actual pros and cons of a trust versus a will, but they don't really understand some of the technical aspects that we're about to get into. And finally, you have this do-know group. That includes some attorneys and various estate planning companies who do know the pros and cons of a trust versus a will, but who want to convince you that this revocable living trust, this option, is the only intelligent option and does everything under the sun except, let's say, wash your car. 
Now, this do no group, they may mislead you because a revocable living trust is a more complicated solution, which also makes it a more expensive solution and possibly more money in their pocket. Now, at times, we're feeling like we're fighting an uphill battle against the multitudes trying to get you on board with a revocable living trust train while we're trying to educate you so you can make an informed decision about what's best for your situation. So in this episode, we're going to, what we're going to say, expose some of this misinformation that is either stated or implied, and we're going to provide you a very detailed explanation of the actual pros and cons of a trust versus a will. We're going to cover it all. And if this doesn't change your opinion, maybe you need to listen to this another time or two. So the multitudes that we're talking about, let's just put them in two different groups. One group is, let's just say it, for what it is. There is a percentage of estate planning attorneys who will recommend a revocable living trust for anybody that walks in the door. If you can fog a mirror, you're going to get recommended to ha- that you need a revocable living trust. You have another group that we're going to call them a variety of estate planning companies that aggressively market revocable living trust on the internet, on websites, on a variety of different places, and maybe they'll even do them with seminars. And in case you're wondering, no, we're not going to mention anyone by name. We're not that tacky. But for most of these companies, it's difficult to even determine the cost of what a simple estate plan would be without becoming entwined in an in-depth meeting with someone or attending a seminar. Suffice it to say, the cost would probably be more than double the $795 flat fee we've openly quoted for working with a local estate planning attorney for a revocable trust package. So that alone should be a red flag for you. But after reviewing the literature provided by one of these companies, we feel like a lot of the benefits they've outlined for the revocable living trust are simply misleading or overstated. And since most of you are not going to recognize what misinformation might be, what it would look like, we're going to go through much of this list one step at a time, and we're going to explain what we feel are inaccuracies. Okay, so I'm looking at a brochure from one of these companies, and I'm just going to read some things for you off of this brochure. For the first one in their brochure, under the heading of reducing estate taxes, they actually wrote, for a married couple, for example, a revocable living trust can be structured to take advantage of the unlimited marital exemption and both spouses' exemptions to reduce federal estate taxes upon the second spouse's death. Congratulations for making it through that, Megan. That's a mouthful. So I will say that is technically correct, but it's also outrageous. Because the fact is, most couples, any couple in this country, is not even subjected to estate taxes in 2023 unless their combined net worth is over $25 million. So it includes virtually nobody that you probably know. And for somebody in that very unique situation, they can actually accomplish the exact same tax planning without a revocable living trust, simply by segregating the assets and using a will for each person. So in other words, the implication is that a revocable living trust is needed to save on estate taxes, which in fact, it can also be accomplished using a will. Now, as we go through all of these, keep in mind that you can accomplish anything with a will that you can accomplish with a revocable living trust. Anything. Next, in the brochure under the heading, Beneficiary Creditors, they wrote, Yes, a revocable living trust protects against the beneficiary's creditors as long as the funds or the assets are held in trust. The fact is, you can accomplish the exact same thing by including language in your will to create an asset protection trust for your beneficiaries. On the the affairs page of our website, theorganizedinvestor.com, we have a link there to an article titled, 
Tennessee Asset Protection Trust, which is an excellent article written by attorney in Nashville, explains all of this. So this this brochure is implying that revocable living trust is necessary to protect the assets of your beneficiaries, when in fact, it can also be accomplished within a will. Here's another one. Under the heading Avoiding the Guardianship Process, they wrote, if you become incapacitated, meaning that you cannot make or communicate decisions for yourself and lack a revocable living trust or powers of attorney, you will be subjected to the guardianship process. Now, that is 100% correct. However, in the comments that Megan just read, they actually admit that having powers of attorney will also help you avoid the guardianship process. So again, this is a confusing implication that a revocable living trust is necessary to avoid the problem, when in fact, powers of attorney will do the exact same thing. Just try to meant to confuse you. Let's keep going on down on the brochure under the heading determining who controls your assets. They wrote, With a revocable living trust, you can get to select who will manage your assets in case of incapacity and also after your lifetime. But here we go again. In the package of documents that we've explained to you, that powers of attorney allows you to decide who will assist you while you're living. And the will allows you to decide who will be your personal representative or let's say your executor, executrix after you've passed away. So again, another confusing or what we think overstating implication that revocable living trust is somehow providing something that a will package of documents does not. Under the heading grantor's incapacity, they wrote, if the grantor of the revocable living trust becomes incapacitated or is no longer able to act as trustee, then the successor trustee will have immediate authority over the trust's assets. Once again, in the package of documents we've talked about, the powers of attorney will allow your designated person to take charge of your affairs, just like a successor trustee would do. So again, another confusing implication that a revocable trust is doing something that can't be accomplished some other way. Here's another one. Under the heading, can I use a revocable living trust to provide for my special needs child? They wrote, a revocable living trust can help with this because within it, you can direct that any trust property inherited by someone who receives needs-based government assistance will be held in trust rather than distributed outright. We're sounding like a brokered record, but again, this can all be covered in the, the language within a will. It's not something unique to a revocable living trust. So we're going to spare you from going through every single example on this brochure, and we're going to end with the heading titled Probate Avoidance. For it, they wrote, one of the great advantages of a revocable living trust is that it is not subject to probate, a notoriously slow and frustrating process that a will must go through. So of all the previous benefits that are really not exclusive to a revocable living trust, actually avoiding probate may actually be a real benefit. However, once you understand probate, in terms of, say, what it means for a Tennessee resident, you're going to realize it's not even as bad as they want you to think. So let's talk about probate here for a couple of minutes. I'll start us out. First, will a revocable living trust guarantee you can avoid probate? No. It might allow you to avoid probate, but there's no guarantee that when you pass, all of your assets will be owned by your trust. Next, will a revocable living trust help to settle your estate faster than using a will? Not necessarily. And in fact, if your trust owns your house, for example, it may take longer than if you just went through the probate process, as we're about to explain. Now, in any state, including Tennessee, obviously, just because you decide to retitle your home into the name of your revocable living trust, that doesn't eliminate any possible creditor claims to your estate when you pass away. Okay. In Tennessee, 
creditors have a one a one year period from the date of death to make claims against the estate. And that includes assets being held in a revocable living trust. Now, on the bottom of the affairs page of our website, theorganizedinvestor.com, there's an article written by a very well-known attorney in Nashville that took me a long time to even find, but it's called Avoiding Promate in Tennessee. And it explains much of this. And that means if creditors had a claim against the assets of a revocable living trust just prior to death, then the creditors also have a claim against those same assets after death for a period of one year, 12 months, one year. Since a title company is not going to issue a title insurance policy on a piece of real estate as long as it's still in the claim period, it's very unlikely that the title company will release the sale proceeds for your house owned inside of your trust until about a year after the last person has passed. So if you were listening to what Megan just said, did you actually think you heard us correctly? Because you probably have never heard this. Did we just say... Your beneficiaries may have to wait 12 months to get the sale proceeds if it's owned by, say, your revocable living trust. Yes, that's what we're saying. Now, keep in mind that we're talking about the residents within the state of Tennessee because we're talking about Tennessee laws here. But that's exactly what we're saying. So your family may be able to sell the property pretty quickly, but the title company may not release the money if the estate is still within that 12-month creditor period. So as an alternative, your beneficiaries may say, well, we can just take it through the probate process, which would mean the pro- that the proceeds may be available as soon as as little as, say, four months. But that's a decision they're going to be making sometime down the road. So has anybody ever told you this before? I would say probably not, right? You'll never hear it from the revocable trust companies that are trying to get you to purchase their expensive trust package of documents. And you're certainly not going to hear it from the estate planning attorney who recommends using a revocable trust for virtually every client that walks in the door. And certainly not from your family and friends because they've probably not heard it themselves. Probably not. So in addition to what we feel like those misleading statements that we just talked about in the brochure, let's we're going to talk about a couple of other misconceptions that people have about a revocable living trust. For example, will a revocable living trust keep you from getting sued if you ram into a school bus with your car? No, that's why you have car insurance. Will a revocable living trust save you some income taxes versus just using a will? Absolutely not. It will not. What you own in your revocable living trust is all tied to your social security number, and the income and tax events still end up on your personal tax return. Here's another one. Will a revocable living trust protect your home if you can get Medicaid to pay for your nursing home? No, it will not. A different type of trust might help with this, but not a revocable living trust. All of this is a mouthful of information, and it is different than what you understood about a revocable living trust, probably. So unfortunately, this may sound like we're trying to be negative about a revocable living trust. We're not. We basically, our hope is that we're trying to explain the actual pros and cons of using a trust versus a will so that you can make an informed decision. Well, whether you decide to use a revocable living trust or use a will doesn't matter to us. The fact that companies and groups of people out there that are financially motivated to encourage you to take this more complicated, this more expensive revocable living trust solution is what leads to all of this misinformation. And oh, by the way, compared to a lot of other places, Tennessee is a very probate-friendly state. Can you explain how your financial advisor manages your investments? Do you have enough money saved for retirement? Is your advisor making more money from your accounts than you are? You're climbing the learning curve by listening to this Organized Investor podcast with Megan Hubbard and her favorite CFP dad, Jerry Goodman. 
It's best to listen to a number of their pod classes to help you understand how they work with their clients. At that point, you may decide to have a chat with them to see if working together would make sense. So thanks for listening. The fact is, the primary benefit of using a revocable living trust is the hope of avoiding probate. And since that may mean your family will have to wait up to one year after death to get the sales proceeds from selling your home, just going through probate may be a quicker and better option for them. Now, in addition to the higher cost to create a revocable living trust, which can be very substantial in some cases, there are a number of other aggravating things that can come with having a trust. Do you remember the show Leave it to Beaver? Let's just say if Ward and June Cleaver decided to use a revocable living trust, they could have an attorney create it and name it something like the Ward and June Cleaver Revocable Living Trust under agreement dated such and such date and Ward and June Cleaver trustees. So once the Cleavers have signed these documents, the trust is now in existence. But, you know, it really doesn't do any good until they have transferred some assets into it. You know, it's like that gun safe, and you still have the guns hanging on the wall. So, again, what is the cost? What's the aggravation? What's the downside of a trust versus just using a will? Now, as we talked a minute ago, the flat fee package that we that we have available through an attorney, it's $795 plus $200 to retitle each piece of property. So that's, 700, that's $995. The cost to do a flat fee will package is $595. So right there, there's like a difference of $400 for most people. Now, to use one of the companies that we talked about earlier, the cost will probably be double that, probably maybe $2,000 or more. Some of these companies will actually function as a document preparation company. I mean, maybe similar to, but maybe more more involved than LegalZoom.com. In an earlier podcast, we explained the last step in our five-step process, which is the housekeeping step. And that doesn't mean, again, we're not going to have you up here at our office cleaning windows or anything. But this is a very important step in the process of getting all of this put together. And there can be a lot of paperwork with a trust now versus just using a will. First, Warden June would probably contact the bank and request to have a checking account in the name of their trust and to still use their same social security number. So what if they have direct deposit or automatic bill payments? Well, if the account number changes, they're going to need to update all of those things. What a nightmare that can be. Ugh, that's, that is one of my least favorite things to do because I always forget something. There's always something I forget that I have just coming out of my checking account that I miss. What if they have several other bank accounts? They may want to do the same for each of them. And so all of this can be a bit of an aggravation because it's going to take time. So what if they have an investment account? Say, you know, we're talking about an account that's not an IRA, for example. They may want to retitle all of that into the name of the trust as well. Let's talk about an IRA for just a second. They cannot retitle an IRA into the trust while the person is still living, but it's possible to have the IRA become part of the trust at death. Now, just to be clear about this, it's usually best to leave an IRA to a real person, okay? Just a person that, that can fog a mirror, a real living breathe real living, breathing person, unless you have a particularly compelling reason that it needs to be controlled by the trust. Also, Ward and June may choose to retitle their cars in the, into the name of the trust, as well as any annuities or life insurance, all of which can be a time-consuming process and be very aggravating. And so what about their house? Well, 
As we've been discussing, having real estate like a home, for example, is one of the main reasons someone may want a revocable living trust. And that's because they can't designate a beneficiary on a piece of property in Tennessee. Now, they can designate a beneficiary in Florida, Texas, and other places but not in the state of Tennessee. So if Ward and June, let's say they retitle their house and their cars into the name of the trust, they may now need to add an endorsement onto the title insurance policies, maybe the homeowner policy, the car insurance, umbrella policies, all of this, because they've changed the ownership of the assets. Now, that's all going to depend on what the policies say, and you'd have to have a discussion with the insurance agent on that. But again, has anybody ever mentioned all these pesky little tasks to you about things that have to be done if you choose a revocable living trust? I'd say not. They never bring it up. Yeah, I would say not as well. And we just want you to remember there's more work related to having a revocable living trust than you may realize. So you're wondering probably what's the upside for all of this extra money, work, and aggravation by creating a trust. Well, as we just mentioned, it may allow your family to avoid probate, which could be a good thing. It may really help if you have an out-of-state property. And if you want to keep your information out of the newspaper, if you're a private person and don't want your neighbors knowing your business, it will do that too. But that's pretty much it. So let's talk for just a second before we get off this subject about property in another state. A revocable living trust may help your family to avoid going through what we we will call, it's called termed, the term is ancillary probate in that other state, which is basically like double probate. I mean, that means your family would probably need another attorney in that state and another whole batch of probate fees, expenses, aggravation, all of that. So if you own a piece of -of out-of-state property, having that in a revocable a revocable living trust may actually be a much simpler solution than having to go through probate in that other state. And assuming you don't have out-of-state property, it's very possible your family may be better off just to take your estate through probate. It just depends. That's right. And just like anything in life, people have differing opinions about probate. So you might be wondering, okay, well, just how bad is it? And it can vary from state to state, as we've mentioned. Tennessee is a very probate-friendly state, and most counties will allow an estate to be probated without the help of an attorney. Nashville-Davidson County is an example of one that actually requires a licensed attorney to be part of the process. Our book, The Widow's Digest, which can be downloaded from our website, theorganizedinvestor.com, is a step-by-step explanation of the probate process for 35 counties in East Tennessee. And unlike some states that you may have heard of where going through probate can cost a significant percentage of the estate value, maybe 5 or 10%, that's certainly not the case in Tennessee. There's no longer a state inheritance tax. There's no state income tax. And as we talked about earlier on the topic of federal estate taxes, as of January 1st, 2023, The exemption for a couple was more than $25 million, which means the vast majority of people don't even have an estate tax issue. That's right. And so really, I guess the question is, you know, is it simple enough for your family to probate your estate themselves? Usually they can, but really the more important question is, do they want to? You know, are they super busy? Do they live on the other side of the country? Probate is usually a pretty simple process. However, there is the aggravation factor and the time that's required to do so, which is why a lot of people will hire an attorney to help them or why a lot of people want to use a revocable living trust with the goal of avoiding probate altogether. So should you use a revocable living trust or just a will? Which is better? You know, we've said it before. It really just depends on your situation, which 
you know, we can be happy to discuss with you in a face-to-face chat. The, the trust is a little more expensive and a little more time-consuming on the front end. And the hope is it's going to be a little less expensive and a little less time-consuming for your family down the road. That's really kind of the goal here. Now, in the past, we made the suggestion, and even the attorney has made the same suggestion, to just use a will for somebody, but that the client actually decided to use a trust, which is fine. We're just here to give you know, our opinion, and then, but the ultimate decision rests with what the client wants to do. Now, several times we explain that even if you can avoid probate, it may actually be beneficial for it to go through the probate process. We're not surprised if this is the first time that this has been explained to you, honestly, but we're just trying to provide an accurate explanation so you can make an informed decision. So what are your other options other than what we've talked about here? Well, here's a couple of the obvious ones. You have like these document preparation companies that we'll call them. They come in a couple of different versions. Like you have the do-it-yourself version on the internet, which is something like, let's say, LegalZoom.com. And they will create a trust bundle of documents like like we're talking about with a trust package and that cost is probably around $500, maybe a little more. Another version of a doc, document preparation company would be offer more assistance, but would probably charge fees in a couple of thousands of dollars. You can use a local estate planning attorney directly, and the cost for a revocable living trust package can be in the range of $1,000 to $5,000 or maybe even more, depending on the attorney and how complicated your situation is. We frequently see them charging about $2,000, which we think is actually a much better option than the document preparation company charging about the same amount of money that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast. Exactly. And and. Back to the flat fee attorney that, we, that we're talking about as an offer, they have two options. They'll create a trust package of documents for $795 plus the cost to retitle your property, or they'll have a, a will package of documents for $595. And we can help you through the process, that the housekeeping process at no charge, if you just, you know, whichever route you decide to go. Now, these flat fee attorneys can also include provisions in the documents at no additional cost, so your family can inherit assets in the form of an asset protection trust to help protect them from predators, creditors, and divorce. And on the affairs page of our website, theorganizedinvestor.com, you'll find an article titled Tennessee Asset Protection Trust that actually explains this in more detail. So before we finish on the topic of you possibly using a local estate planning attorney on your own, which is fine, unfortunately, everybody that's going to represent themselves as an estate planning attorney may not be either competent, ethical, or both. So how do you know? What does it even mean to be competent? It means they have a the sufficient skill, knowledge, and experience to help you. And from our experience over many years, we would say, Probably 90% of them are competent, which is a which is a good number. And keep in mind, this is just our opinion. But the point is that just randomly choosing an attorney comes with the risk that they may not be as competent as you would expect. And unfortunately, even getting a referral from a friend is no guarantee the attorney actually knows what they're talking about or doing. So in addition to competence, what is ethical behavior? This is characterized by an attorney that's being honest, fair, and equitable in working with you in terms of what they're doing versus what they're charging. And in our opinion, I would say 
80 to 90% of them will treat you fairly. Now, this is just a slightly lower opinion than before when we're talking about competency, but that's because several things that we constantly see. For example, we see estate planning attorneys, some of which are very knowledgeable, very experienced, very competent, and they will recommend that almost everybody that they see, everyone that they help, everyone that comes in that door is going to get recommended to use a revocable living trust. It's everybody. We also see some estate planning attorneys who will drag out the probate process because they're getting paid by the hour. And the longer it takes, the more income they receive. So here's some questions to think about. Is it ethical to suggest someone using a revocable living trust when using a will would be just as appropriate? Also, is it ethical to slow walk the probate process of an estate in order to charge more in fees? We would say no. It's not ethical. But like all of this, these are our opinions. We formed them over two years, two decades of doing this, and we decided to share this with you. So we've covered a lot here. This is a lot of information on organizing your affairs over pod class four, five, and six. And you might be thinking, oh my goodness, this is, this is a lot. My head is spinning. But let's recap some of the things that you've learned. You know, you've learned how we can help you organizing your affairs with a five-step process using a local estate planning attorney for a flat fee, and that it may save you about $1,000 versus working with an attorney directly. We also covered that most things, everything can be accomplished with a trust can also be done with a will and and, and a package of documents related to a will. And as we explained before, to the extent that you saving, let's say, $1,000 with your estate planning documents is important. You may actually benefit many multiples of that by also letting us help you look at helping you organize your investments because there's more money there and it can be massively more beneficial from a dollar and cent standpoint. So if you're ready to get started, we would tell you to go to the affairs page of our website, theorganizedinvestor.com, and you can actually complete the profile page online that will help us to understand your personal situation and your concerns. On that same page, there's also a checklist online to help us understand which of the 50 items on the list are things you're concerned about. And if you have any information or old documents you want the attorney to review for free, You can also upload those directly to us with the link that's provided on our website. It's secure and it's through Citrix ShareFile. So you can rest easy knowing anything you upload to us comes directly to us and is encrypted and secure. But it's there for you to get those documents to us easily. And most importantly, we need to schedule a time to either chat by phone or preferably have a meeting in our office in person to talk about all of this for you. So contact us by phone or email to arrange a time that's convenient for you. And we suggest you take some ownership because these are your issues. And we want you to remember that you're doing this for your family. You know, you're doing it to make it easier for them. You're trying not to leave them a big mess. It's because it's the right thing to do. So be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player to be reminded of future episodes that we'll be releasing. You can also follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, and several other social media platforms. Please listen to a number of pod classes to educate yourself with our approach. And at that point, we can have a chat to understand your situation and see if working together might be a good fit. In the meantime, feel free to contact us with any questions. Thanks for listening and class is dismissed. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views and or opinions of the organized investor or TN Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and are not intended as investment advice or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning or before making any investment decision. And please consult legal or tax professionals for specific information regarding your individual situation. The organized investor cannot accept trade or account instructions on or through this platform. Please contact us directly at contact us at tnwealthmanagement.com or 865-415-2060 to place a trade or for trade or account related questions. Brokerage and advisory services are provided by TN Wealth Management through Prospera Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. The organized investor is a brand name operated by TN Wealth Management for educational platform purposes.